Vegas Nation is sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up. Sports, entertainment, little to no culture. It's time for Unsportsmanlike Conduct with Ed Graney and Adam Hill. Hey, welcome into Unsportsmanlike Conduct of the Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports and presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal and Blue Wire. We're your hosts, Ed Graney and Adam Hill, and we're here each week to give you our thoughts on the Las Vegas Raiders before entering the world of news and topics we find interesting. Here we go. Adam, training camp is over. It was hot. Some days it was sticky. There was rain. We saw nothing from our vantage point. Are you glad it's past us? Yeah. I mean, and I don't I don't hate training camp. I enjoy, you know, some of getting to see some of the guys on the field, getting to see what they're working on, uh, who's standing out and all that. I, I think there's a there's a benefit to watching training camp for sure. And certainly there's a benefit for the teams. But there's also that feeling of, okay, let's uh, let's get to the finish line. And uh, the finish line of training camp means the start of the season. And I think we're kind of at that point right now. Yeah, um, two weeks two weeks ago, it, it seemed to me, we'll go to the joint practices first. At least the first day, you might have mentioned this, that it sure seemed like we knew which team had the extra week of practice. That first day, I thought the Raiders uh, kind of dominated. Maybe the second day came back to a little even. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I, I also think there was a little bit of overreaction to that. I mean, I think that's definitely true. Um, but as you mentioned, it's a really weird setup where we got to watch all of the, you know, the Raiders first team offense uh, and everything that they were doing. And so that's really all we got to see. We didn't get to see what was going on on the other fields, really. And you got to see a little bit of the Patriots. And then there was definitely moments where, you know, safeties would have lit up receivers over the middle and they didn't. They pulled off because it's joint practice and they don't want to do that. And um, you can't get a full gauge of how things are. Uh, especially because you don't know exactly what teams are trying to do in the drills. Sometimes they say, don't intercept the pass, uh, don't do that sort of thing. So you can't get a full gauge of it. And I think that there were some big plays the Raiders made that would not have happened in real games. Uh, but yes, for the most part, if you had to pick a winner, very clear who won that. Yeah, um, we got to see the likes of Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Derek Carr, kind of 11 on 11, the much we could see, maybe some 7 on 7. We haven't seen those in games uh, did you walk away more impressed than you thought you would with kind of the offensive firepower? Uh, no. I mean, like we all know Devontae Adams is Devontae Adams. He's, you know, probably the best receiver in the NFL right now, maybe the best really to ever play. I know, you know, that's sacrilege to people in the old school that, you know, loved uh, Jerry Rice and guys like that. But, you know, Randy Moss was a, was a unicorn in what he did. Uh, but, you know, athletes evolve and, you know, people evolve. And I think we're, you know, we have the most athletic players we've ever had in the history of the world right now. And Devontae Adams is the best right now. So um, he may be one of the best in terms of especially creating space, getting open uh, his hands. And we saw all that on display for sure. Um, and then we also know what that's going to do to other guys. We know what that's going to do to, you know, Hunter Renfro to be free uh, on the field and be single covered and good luck single covering Hunter Renfro. Uh, so yes, you, you right. know what they have and you know what they have in terms of kind of running backs out of the backfield and, uh, what they can bring to the passing game. So you, you, you see it and you appreciate it and you understand it. Um, and you see it more on display there than you did during training camp. But, uh, yeah, I think we knew what the Raiders had in terms of firepower and, and we saw it. Yeah. You wrote about this this morning. We're uh, taping this on Thursday. The Raiders play New England tomorrow night on Friday night at Allegiant stadium, five fifteen PM kickoff. Um, you wrote about today with Darren Waller and Coach Josh McDaniel saying he's not overly concerned about what's going on with him, wouldn't give a timetable, wouldn't kind of commit that he would be ready for the season opener against the Chargers. Um, practiced one day, didn't come back, obviously was not at the joint practices. Um, have you changed your mind on all, whether it's injury or whether this has anything contractual? I I 
thought it was weird that it would be contractual uh, given the guy actually came out for a day of practice. Had he not come out for a practice, um, I'm not so sure I would have thought that, but he actually did come out for a day. When was that practice, Ed? Was it right after right after all the speculation about what was going on? Maybe right after he attended the Aces game when the Raiders Yeah, the next game. practice. <laughs> he was there. It's funny. Um, look, I, Coincidence? I think in my mind, I haven't – I certainly haven't ruled out the fact that it's both. Um, and, and what I mean by that is Darren Waller, you know, obviously underpaid. I don't think anybody's going to disagree with that. Uh, he is, makes far below market value. And we've seen, you know, tight end salary skyrocket and he has not been there. He signed his deal too early uh, to be a part of this kind of wave. So he's underpaid and there's no doubt about that. But the key part of his contract isn't even salary. It's the fact that there's zero guaranteed money left. Uh, there's nothing guaranteed on his contract. He could be released tomorrow and not get paid anything. Uh, not that he would, but uh, that's the point. There's no guaranteed money in that deal. And that is a big issue right now. So, you know, if I'm Darren Waller and his team, first of all, I, as I said, I would have not, I would have not participated in camp. I would have shown up and done the, the, the now famous hold in uh, where you just come to camp, you show up, but you don't actually take the field to practice and risk injury uh, because you can't hold out anymore. Uh, that that was part of the new uh, collective bargaining agreement. You can't just not show up to camp. You have to show up and then just not participate. That's that's the new way of holding out. So I would have done that if I was his camp, uh, but they didn't. They chose to show up and, and participate in the early parts. But to me, and this is just speculation because we we know that you know reported the team is at least saying uh, there's a minor hamstring issue. Uh, if if I did show up and I did participate in practice and I had a very very slight injury, that'd be it for me. I'm done. I'm not practicing anymore. Right, right, right. I agree with that. And then you go back in and you don't come back out until something's settled because you're not going to push yourself with no guaranteed money because you go out and rip it and it comes becomes much more. You've got nothing on the table. Even though you have a year left in your contract, I don't think they would walk away from him with a year left on that contract. But I'll tell you what, uh, you tear it up uh, pretty badly. you got nothing yeah. this year. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's kind of how I feel um about the situation that you know i don't think it's a lie i think there is an injury um but i also feel like you know part of this is hey look i'm not i'm not even going to have the slightest bit of discomfort in practice uh if i if i don't have a guaranteed you know money on the table so uh that's that's kind of where i'm feeling this is and you know i don't a couple weeks ago i had the the feeling and the impression from some people around the building that a deal could be close uh but I, I've gotten the sense over the last couple of weeks that that has kind of drifted farther and farther apart. So uh, I don't know that there'll be a new deal. I don't know that um, anything will be it'll be changed. Uh, maybe for week one, he just says, okay, that's enough. I'll just play. I don't know. I, I don't know how this is going to play out. I don't know exactly what's going on. They're being very tight-lipped about it on both sides. Uh, but if you ask me if it's injury or contract, I would say both things are very related, and it's very possible that both are part of this. I'll tell you what, I think the best he can hope for this year is having the $7 million guaranteed at this point. I feel like even if he got super hurt, he would be on the team this year. Oh, yeah. He's got a year left in his deal. I don't think, I don't think they'd walk right, but away it would, from it would him. be about getting guaranteed money for next year because it's not like this is the last year of his deal either. He's got two years left. So um, I, would want the, I would want the contract fully guaranteed. Hey, even if you don't want to change the contract, let's guarantee it, make it fully guaranteed, and let's go forward. How they're going to go forward with someone else, we're not sure. Right tackle Alex Leatherwood. Um, our our colleague Vinny Bonsignore had a story in the paper about what they might do with him. He left open all options, trade him, cut him, move on with him. 
Uh, we talked about this in the radio this morning in terms of if they did move on from him, the cap hit would be seven point dead cap. It would be 7.8 million this season and 3.9 next year. And the point made was, uh, is that too much? Is that too much of debt? They do have the cap space. I think 20, 20 plus million in cap space. But to move on for him without another answer, without going out and like you and I've said every week here, why haven't they gone out and signed someone? Everyone's kind of surprised they haven't done that. To move on from him and not have an answer at right tackle, even though there's a bunch of guys vying for that spot with those dead cap hits, would you be surprised if they just kind of like cut him and and and, and took the hits? Or do you think they kind of hold on to him, maybe push him inside to guard, keep trying him to tackle and just make him a backup? Yeah, I'd be a little bit surprised. I, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, but you know, there's levels of surprise. I think I, I think I'd be uh, it would be definitely a minor surprise to me if they decided to cut him, only because, as you mentioned, uh, all of that you know, finan- all the financial reasons that are attached to that. Now they have show they don't care necessarily. Uh, you know, they redid that Drake contract and then uh, just moved on from him. Uh, and I know you know the the contract was silly when it was signed, and we talked about that uh, in terms of uh, the financial aspects of Ken and Drake, but. Um, they said, hey, look, let's just take the hit and move on. And they have the cap space to do it. And they have the cap space to do it in, in Leatherwood's case as well, if they want to. Uh, if they just want to say, hey, look, he's more of a headache than he's worth. Uh, he's not going to serve us any good. Let's move on from him. Yeah, that's that's possible. Uh, but it would be it would be a slight surprise. I think they want to try to figure out something, whether it's moving him back to guard and letting him kind of be the backup on both guard sl- slots or, um, you know, the backup tackle or if he can, you know, if he could play the left side too, if they ever needed it with Brandon Parker, it'd be the swing tackle. I, I don't think they'd be comfortable with that, but uh, that'd be potentially possible. I think the more likely scenario is they give him a chance to move back to guard, um, work his way into the rotation in terms of being a backup there, and and hope they can get something out of him instead of just cutting him. Or, you know, ideally, I guess he goes out and if they really are done with him, uh, which I don't think is true, but uh, if they were. You know, ideally, you, you put him out there in this preseason game and he plays really, really well. And somebody says, hey, look, that's a first round talent. Um, maybe he figures it out and they make a move for him. You know, the Cowboys have been mentioned uh, potentially because uh, Tyron Smith just suffered a massive injury yesterday and he'll be down for most of the year. Um, you know, maybe that's a possibility. I don't know. But if, if he can put some more good stuff on tape, because there was good moments uh, that he had the last couple of games, but most of them are, are outweighed by some really, really, really bad reps. Vegas, get in on the sports betting action and get on the SDN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started, no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. So sign up today for STN Sports and earn up to $500 on your first deposit. Boy, do you really, do you really think there'd be trade value on him right now? Even like if, if if someone said give you a seventh conditional, uh, depending on how much he plays or whatever whatever the condition would be, um, let me ask you this: knowing what you know now, without even anything more on tape, just what you've seen, and someone said, "Well, give him to you for a seventh rounder, a conditional seventh rounder," would you would you do the deal? I mean, I probably wouldn't, but I think I think maybe the the Raiders would. I I don't know that for sure. Um, it just it depends on what level they've reached with him. I mean, it's it's clear that they don't see him as a starter this year. He really hasn't been in that mix at all for a couple of weeks. Um, do they think he's redeemable? Like, you know, I, I think we, I go back to what Josh McDaniels was talking about uh, yesterday uh, at camp. Again, that was Wednesday at uh, before before practice. And one of the things he said, and I think he was trying to send a message to 
not only us in the media and the fans, but also to the players of, you know, a lot of times you've seen these guys fail and you're pointing it out and saying, hey, look, that guy failed at this. And what Josh McDaniel said was oftentimes we're putting in players in position to fail intentionally during training camp, not obviously not during a game, but during training camp, during practice, during preseason games, we're trying to make them fail because we want to see where, you know, where the breakdowns are, where we can correct them. And is a, is a breakdown or a failure on the player's part? Is that just something he'll never be able to do and never be able to figure out? Or is that something we're just putting him in the wrong position and maybe we can fix that and, and figure that out or maybe just correct this little one little technique? So he's saying we're intentionally getting guys to fail so we can you know, build them back up and make them better. And so there are certain reps where I think you look and say, man, he was just in a terrible spot. You know, that was unfortunate. But maybe they were doing that on purpose to see what they had in him. Maybe maybe there's things in his technique they think they can fix and make him better. Like you just don't know where they feel about him. Now, I, I think right now they're they're pretty out on him. But you never know. And like I said, I, I don't think anybody would necessarily trade for him right now. But go put a spectacular game on tape on, on Friday um, against the Patriots. Somebody might start to say, hey, look, that talent is still there. That potential is still there. And when I just said, hey, that's a first-round talent, I don't think many teams had him as a first-round talent in the draft. I think just the Raiders did. But still, you know, he was a very, very, very good player in college. Maybe the best offensive lineman in college football. Yeah, he played he he played everywhere at Alabama except center. Yeah, and college is a different game. We get that. And he was a little bit on the older side uh by his you know by his last year in college, but he was very, very good. Like that doesn't just go away. Uh I know that the, it's different games and it's different styles and you have to do different things, but you know, there's talent in there somewhere for sure. And, you know, whether it's here or somewhere else, maybe he can find it. Maybe he doesn't. You know, we we're familiar here, different sport, obviously, but you know, Anthony Bennett was the number one pick in the NBA. Here right. from Las Vegas right. and at, at UNLV, and he just never figured it out. Um, and so, like th- that's possible, but it's also possible. You Jimmer know, sometimes Jimmer Forget was a hell of a college basketball player. Sure. But sometimes, sometimes people find find a way. Sometimes they figure it out. Um, Lester Cotton right now with the Raiders cut four times. Uh, looks like he's going to be a starter, and you know the coaches have raved that he just figured it out. Something was there. He just figured it out. Finally, he flipped the switch and he's playing much, much better. Like those things can happen. They don't happen all the time, but they can. And so uh, I don't think the book is completely closed on Alex Leatherwood, but um, definitely they're uh, they're getting tired and turning the nightlight on and, and thinking about it a little bit. If that book analogy works, I don't know. So if that's the case now, let's say they start a game tomorrow. Uh, Parker's down, Munford's down. I would assume uh, Jermaine uh, Illuminor is the guy at right tackle. Is that scary, or do you have faith in him? I mean, I think I think the offensive line in general has been a bit scary. Um, I think Jermaine Illuminor is a is a fine player. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it's the end of the world if he's you know he's the right tackle and you can figure it out. Now, I'd, I'd be somewhat concerned about the depth right now. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> if you go into that game with those guys and you're, you're telling me those guys are hurt and can't play, I'm concerned. But I, I also think, like, you know, we're, again, two weeks out. We don't know exactly what the inf- injury to Munford was. I felt like when he got hurt, he was pretty close to establishing himself as the starter at right tackle. Yes, yes. And and I, I think, you know, he's a guy that also he has the talent. I know everybody still jokes about the uh, the horrible rep against Aiden Hutchinson and, and the one that's gone viral. But um, I just – I feel like, you know, he was close – and he's a guy that might be able to, you know, establish himself and win that job if he's healthy. And that gives you a Luminor as a swing tackle that can play back up to both of them. Like, I think that there's 
there's potential to have an okay offensive line, and that's really all you need with all this talent. You just need them to be okay. Just don't be a yeah, disaster. Need, they they can be average, and if Carr gets the ball out on time to his receivers, they can still be really good. But you, they cannot be below average. I, I mean, this is all semantics, obviously. I, I don't even think – I think they can be below average. You're talking about, you know, six, if 16th is average in the NFL – like if you're telling me you have the 20th best offensive line, I think you're fine. If you have the 22nd, 23rd, I think you're still kind of fine. You can't be 29, 30, 31, 32. Like you can't be there. And, you know, with this offense, if you if you have, you know, lesser talent at the skill positions, you need to be higher uh, in your offensive line. But I think you can get away with, you know, with a below average offensive line, you just can't be horrific. And, you know, I know the concern is there that they could be horrific. Um, I don't know that they that they would be. But I, I feel like just watching practice and seeing where they were, you know, before the injuries, like I, I wouldn't I, I don't think it's the end of the world to go into the go into the season if Darren Munford is the starting right tackle and you know, Brent and Jermaine Illuminor is behind them. Jermaine Illuminor might be that swing guy. I, I would think so. I, I think he's played on both sides. He's played with the Patriots before. Uh so they know him. Yeah, he started four games at left tackle before he got hurt. Sure. Like I, I think he's he's capable of being um, you know, a very serviceable you know, potentially starting tackle, but maybe swing tackle. Like you've got some pieces there to work with. Uh, so, you know, I think the concern, some of the concern with Leatherwood is that, you know, some of those, some of those plays have been so bad that they just really stand out in everybody's mind. And like, it's going to be really tough to overcome uh, those bad plays with really, really good ones to kind of balance those out. I want to go over the uh, other side of the ball for what you've seen on the joints and, and, um, OTAs and everything we've done here all through camp because one guy we haven't talked a lot about in these podcasts is Jonathan Abram uh, had a uh, pick the other day um, maybe moving him to the outside even more have we overshot John Abram or does he still have the weaknesses we think he did or do you think he's actually been one of these guys like you said about Leatherwood he might find it might improve enough he might I mean I still have you know huge concerns for him in coverage I think that pick was um, again we're kind of blocked from what's going on but it looked like uh, it was just a really bad throw, uh, and it wasn't Mac Jones that threw it. It was uh, one of the backups for the Patriots. So um, I, I know some people got very excited about it. I I was watching the play and said, "Eh, it, he he there was he was in the right place. The ball found him. He caught it, returned it. You know, great job." But uh, it wasn't like some you know brilliant play that he made necessarily. Uh, he just did the, what he was supposed to do, and I think that's important to, to just you know play your role. And if you're in the right place at the right time, the ball will find you, and plays will find you, and that's kind of what he did. But um, I, I don't know exactly what his role is going to be in this defense. Obviously, Gus Bradley last year was able to find a good role for him where he didn't have to do a whole lot of coverage, and uh, that's really what his uh, his weakness has been. Um, but if he's if he's a box safety that can just go find the ball and make hits, like that's what he can do, and that's what he can do well, and you know, fire up his team and be a, be an emotional type leader out on the field. Like that's what you want from him, and I think that there's a way to find that. I don't know that he's an every down safety for this team. Uh, I don't know that he's going to be out there you know, 80, 90% of the plays, I think, you know, a lesser role, but a more specified role would be very beneficial to him. And I think that they're trying to find that for him because I think they really believe in Trayvon Merrick for sure. Uh, Deron Harmon, older, definitely, but absolutely has the trust uh, of the staff. And I think you you might see them in more prominent roles and, and Jonathan Abram just as a, a guy that they can use to just, hey, go out there and make a play. And I think that's what he can do well. And that's what, you know, that's where he brings your team energy. And I think that would be a great role for him. 
All right, then we said it again. Tomorrow night it ends uh, mercifully against the Patriots. It's over four games. It's been a long camp. Camp is over. Um, then two weeks after that, they'll open at the Chargers. Raiders, Patriots tomorrow night on Friday night. Like I said, we're recording this on Thursday. So you get that game tomorrow night. Look for all our coverage at VegasNation.com and uh, the Review Journal. Anything on Netflix this week? We talked about Manti Teo last week. Anything on Netflix you've uh, you've happened to uh, scour across? Yeah, I can't remember the name of it. But it's the, uh, it's, I think, uh, Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey is the name of the documentary. Um, it's about the uh, fundamentalist uh, sect yeah. of the LDS Church. Um, and actually, for, for those here in Las Vegas, it's a fairly local story because uh, it's right up the road. It's on the, uh, basically, they set up this, uh, um, this society up at like the uh, Nevada, Arizona, uh, Utah border. Um, and, and just, you know, Warren Jeffs obviously is, a uh, you know, he was on the top to the FBI's top 10 most wanted list at one point they caught him. Um, I'm through like three fourths of it right now, so I'm not all the way done, but I know okay. a lot of people are familiar with the story, but uh, I watched of, it. Yes. Yeah. Some yes. of the details behind it are just, uh, are just astonishing and, and just brutal. Uh, the way some of the, especially females were treated, even, even some of the males were treated really, really bad, but the females were just, um, you know, second, I would say third class citizens and that yeah. society was, it was rough, uh, for sure. So that's, that's what I'm trying to get through right now. And, uh, I am very excited to watch the, uh, the, the documentary series about, uh, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney from, uh, always sunny in Philadelphia taking over the soccer team. Oh yeah, that's right. They, 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 they welcome uh, to Wrexham, they, I think it is. Yeah, they bought the team, right? Yeah, and there's a documentary about them trying to, you know, build it back into a brand. So that just came out. I'm excited about that. But uh, I listen. You know, I love when like hot topics sweep the internet and people, you know, the weird questions. You know, are there more wheels or doors on Earth? We did that right. one. Uh, sure. How many holes does a straw have? I know the obvious answer, so it can't be that. What What's the obvious? Uh, upper and lower two. No, it's it's one hole. Uh all right. So is that the answer? Or is that are people mad at you on the internet because they're saying there's two? No, it's it's a. I mean, it's not my topic. It's just one I you know I found intriguing. But I mean, it, that is the debate: is there one hole or two holes? There's one hole. It just goes all the way through. I can buy that. I can buy that. And I think it was uh, it was sparked once again by the the guy that used the hot dog as a straw in his beer. Oh, how, how about that guy? Would you ever do that? No, but I I also. Like I wouldn't do it necessarily just because it looks like a lot of work. <laughs> but I, also, I don't know how he did it without the hot dog just completely splitting, splitting and going into the beer. Yeah, you got to be like a surgeon. Yeah, but but I feel like uh, you know people that just freaked out right away and like this guy should be arrested. This is disgusting. I don't think so. Like I, I don't. I think he's, he's kind of creative. Yeah, I don't hate the concept. Uh, obviously, you get you kind of get that as you drink the beer. You kind of get that. Um, Excuse, or if you, yeah, as you drink the beer, you get that. Hot yeah, you dog get the hot dog order. taste. You get the taste, and then when you're done, then you can eat the hot dog, and it's beer flavored. It's gonna be great. Oh, 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 oh. Cringing just thinking about it. I think it sounds wonderful, but it's too much work. Uh, I'm not doing it. The Manti Teo uh, documentary. What is that series? Because there's a lot of good ones in that. I'm looking forward to the Tim Donaghy one. Yeah, it's Untold is the series, and uh, I will tell people there's a couple of them. I'm, I'm still trying to get through them, but. Uh, we talked about the Manti Teo one. Watch that one first. It's tremendous. Um, the uh, the Mouse at the Palace one was okay. It wasn't 
as good as I. Yeah, did I've seen documentaries on that. I don't know if I'd be too jacked up about that. Yeah. I don't know how I don't, I don't know how much different this could be from the ones we've seen. Yeah, but the the one that uh that I thought was my favorite, the one that I loved, um, that was just absolutely enthralling to me was on the uh, the mafia hockey team. Did you see this one? I, I heard about it. I didn't see it. I, I when the, when the Manti Teo one ended, they showed the upcoming ones and uh, and other ones they've done. And that was one, the Donaghy one. Uh, I I found really interesting that I want to watch those. Like I said, Malice in the Palace. I was not interested yeah. at all. Yeah, the Mafia hockey team one is really really incredible. This uh this guy that they say in the documentary, I don't know how true it is, but he's the guy that Tony Soprano was like based on. Really, he was the basically the waste management. Um, you know guru of uh of i think it's what a danbury connecticut maybe okay and he you know his son was a hockey player he got hurt couldn't play anymore so he basically bought his son a 17 year old son a hockey team and he ran it like you would expect a 17 year old kid to run a hockey team uh basically went out and found all these found a bunch of really talented players but also just found like the gooniest of goons <laughs> and the first game they actually, well, wait how old how old were the players on the team they were like veteran like minor league hockey players okay you know, right. like 30s or you know late 30s okay. some of them late 20s whatever like journeyman minor league hockey players but you had like a really small salary cap and they just circumvented it by paying all this money under the table sure the mob and then the first game they actually sell out the arena they called them called them the uh the danbury trashers i think it was their logo is <laughs> phenomenal it's just a trash it's like a oscar the grouch trash can with like a hockey stick and oh, it's uh, beautiful the first game it's sold out everybody's excited the uh the dad the uh the well i guess alleged mafia uh member father sure he uh he calls down to the to the players on the bench, just as the game's starting, like singing the national anthem, and he's like, "All right, as soon as the puck drops, you're all fighting." I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> and then they did, and the fans loved it. It was it was great, and the players swear by these guys. Obviously, I mean, they treated them very very well, but uh, it was insane how they ran this hockey team. Is this on Netflix right now? Yeah. What's it again? It's uh, it's another of the Untolds. Uh, I think okay. it's right. something Untold something hockey. If you find the Untold series, you'll find it. Well, there you go, Adam Hill with his weekly uh, Netflix update. We're going to do that each week. He watches more Netflix than anyone I know in some of these documentaries. Uh, so stay here, not only for your Raiders news, but all your movie reviews. Uh, that's going to do it for our latest edition of Unsportsmanlike Conduct of the Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casinos, STN Sports, and presented by the Las Vegas Review-Journal and Blue Wire. Remember now, there are new episodes of Vegas Nation every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe to Vegas Nation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any podcasting app. Find all that coverage and more at VegasNation.com. For our producer, Larry Meir, and my co-host, Adam Hill, I'm Ed Graney. We'll talk to you next week when it's time to prepare for the season opener. Vegas, get in on the sports betting action and get on the STN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started, no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. So sign up today for STN Sports and earn up to $500 on your first deposit.